Welcome to USURF Spotlight, a new series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we discuss major topics and issues in the news and explore how those issues are impacting religious freedom around the globe. Here is USURF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, leading this week's discussion. Welcome to USURF Spotlight. Today, we're gonna to talk about some recent developments related to US policy toward China, and in particular, what the United States government should do with the recent designation of genocide and crimes against humanity committed against Uyghur and other Turkic Muslims in the country. We're also gonna learn about how some American companies have been responsible for bringing products to the United States that have used Uyghur forced labor and what can be done about it. And finally, we're gonna hear some of USERF's top line policy recommendations and some thoughts on uh, what the incoming Biden administration should be doing as well as the international community. Now to talk about all this, we're very fortunate to have USERF Commissioner Nuri Turkel joining us to go deeper on these issues. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate your effort. Thanks again. Now, Commissioner Turkel is the first Uyghur American appointed to the commission. He was appointed in May of 2020 to a two-year term by Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. I should also add that in September, he was named by Time Magazine as one of the most influential people in the world for his tireless efforts in raising the plight of Uyghurs in China. The horrific treatment and egregious violations against Uyghurs and other religious minorities in China has been well documented for years by USERF, the United Nations, the State Department, human rights groups across the board. Now, Commissioner Turkel, how would you characterize the current situation for Uyghurs? And can you please provide us with a general overview of the range and kinds of abuses that they continue to face in the country to this day? The, thank you very much again. Uh, the, uh, heinous human rights abuses that the Chinese Communist Party uh, and the Chinese government have been orchestrating uh, in the Uyghur region is nothing new. But we have just seen the escalation and now at the level of genocide and crime against humanity as uh, determined by the State Department. Uh, specifically, uh, the nightmare uh, started uh, in early 2017 with the uh, implementation of what's called de-extremification measure that is specifically targeted to attack Uyghurs' uh, religious and ethnic identity. Uh, it has dramatically uh, escalated ever since. Uh, based on various reports, there are anywhere between two to three million Uyghurs have been uh, detained in a uh, industrial scale concentration camps that the Chinese government has built. Uh, but based on Chinese government's own uh, account uh, published in the white paper, that uh, in the last five years, uh, 1.3 million Uyghurs uh, annually gone through those so-called uh, re-education facilities. So we're learning more about uh, what's happening uh, to the Uyghur people, not only in those camps, but also in the actual prison, forced labor camps, and even in the society. So with uh, forced disappearance, uh, uh, forced sterilization, uh, sexual violence, forced labor, uh, targeted attack on Uyghur religious uh, sites, uh, destruction of that the same, 
and turning them into theme park or parking lot uh, has been ongoing. And I am profoundly grateful to the United States government in my personal and official capacity for being the leader, uh, uh, addressing this uh, serious crime uh, committed against uh, Uyghur Muslims and others in China. And also I am profoundly grateful for my fellow commissioners at USERV have been uh, lending support uh, as early as last June, uh, sounding alarm that uh, Chinese policies uh, in the Uyghur region may amount to genocide. So um, a tide is turning, uh, we're making some progress, but we are still in a uphill battle uh, against this uh, uh, atrocities uh, committed in China against Uyghurs and other religious minorities. And you mentioned that, yeah, you, you, you joined the commission in May, and then it wasn't uh, just a month later that the commission did sound that alarm, uh, highlighting the measures uh, taken by the Chinese government, including forced sterilization, as you referenced, the likely met the legal criteria for genocide under international law. And just last week, as we already alluded to, January 19th, uh, the, the final full day of the Trump administration, the State Department designated China's treatment of Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslims in the Xinjiang uh, Uyghur Autonomous Region as genocide and crimes against humanity. Now tell us, why is this significant now and what steps uh, should the incoming Biden administration take to affirm and address uh, this designation? Uh, indeed, uh, the designation uh, was a momentous um, uh, to me personally, professionally, uh, as an uh, indirect victim of the ongoing uh, genocidal uh, policies um, by the Chinese government. Uh, and this is particularly uh, significant to those Uyghurs, uh, including our fellow Americans, who have been looking for their loved ones, sisters, brothers, mothers, and fathers. Recently, we uh, took a position and condemned the Chinese government's uh, uh, sentencing of this Uyghur uh, former doctor with American family to 20 years imprisonment. She committed no crime. She has uh, three grandchildren, two daughters and siblings in the United States. This is just one of the many uh, individual stories that, will, that has been looking for this kind of leadership, this kind of uh, official determination of an actual crime uh, committed against the Uyghurs. Uh, every crime uh, carries a name. So properly naming crime is non-controversial. I applaud uh, the United States government for making this determination. Uh, this, is, this has been an ongoing process. Uh, it shows that uh, there was a process in place, documentation, evaluation, consultation uh, was behind the scene uh, in the works before that announcement was made. And also this reflects an understanding that there, there can be a genocide without mass killing. Previously, uh, when we advocated uh, the United States governments and our allies and partners to take a hard look at this to see if it's a genocide, the response that we get, one of the common responses was that we have not seen an evidence for mass killing. So this decision actually sets a legal precedent that Genocidal uh, uh, actions can be labeled as such even without an evidence of mass killing. So the, the interesting aspect and unique aspect of China's genocide against Uyghurs involves technology, misuse of diplomatic influence, uh, 
and buying silence in the weaker and developing countries. So with this decision, uh, the United States government will not only address the ongoing uh, atrocities, genocide, crime against humanity, but also sends a powerful message to those bad actors around the world who may be inclined to commit a similar kind of heinous acts to persecute religious and ethnic minorities. Oftentimes, uh, the experts, uh, legal scholars, and various governments perceive religious persecution as, as a crime against humanity. As we have seen in the history, religious persecution, as the case in China, actually leads to a genocidal outcome. Actually, the most repressive forms of religious persecution uh, gets to that country, that regime, more unstability as opposed to stability that they claim to achieve. So this, this decision is so significant in multiple fronts, politically, uh, societally, uh, legally. Um, again, this is, a, this is a, a bad news to the Uyghur people of a horrific situation. I hope that the Biden administration use this decision uh, to build uh, a multilateral support uh, with our allies and partners. At the end of the day, this level of atrocity, this level of industrial scale uh, oppression, repression, uh, that is affecting uh, people around the world uh, need to be uh, addressed uh, either collectively uh, or individually by the international community. Thank you for that. And you, and you touched on an area there also referring to the economic angle. And I want to refer to a uh, op-ed that you published in the New York Times uh, last week, where you discussed a bit about your personal experience with forced labor being born in a re-education camp while your father was in a separate uh, labor camp. But you also discussed how products being produced in these forced labor camps eventually make their way to the United States and that some American-based companies and businesses use, uh, they either directly employ or source from uh, businesses that use uh, forced labor, Uyghur forced labor. Can you tell us a little bit about this and what has been done thus far and what more to combat this particular phenomenon? Um, as I uh, stated in my op-ed, uh, forced labor has been a central or key uh, component of China's uh, campaign against Uyghurs for decades. Um, I grew up actually witnessing uh, Uyghur villagers uh, uh, being subject to forced labor, building irrigation system or picking cotton cotton fields. Uh, actually uh, managed, uh, run by, uh, owned by this entity, Xinjiang Production Construction Corp, that the United States government sanctioned last year under the Global Magnitsky Act. Uh, so. The world just find out about these uh, brutal uh, policies in China. Um, and, and to me, uh, the Uyghur issue is no longer, no longer just a, 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 a human rights concern or religious persecution concern. I would say that uh, this is uh, a global concern now because China's use of forced labor uh, have uh, tainted uh, or polluted the global economic system with tainted products made by modern day slaves. So when we go to the store uh, and looking for products for a personal or family use that includes uh, baby pajamas, beauty products, 
uh, if it's what if it's made in China, the chance of these products produced by enslaved Uyghurs are pretty high, as reported in the various uh, policy uh, reported by various policy institutions, uh, congressional organizations, or media organizations. So the evidence is overwhelming that the Chinese government has been using forced labor uh, to pollute the global supply chain. So this is a consumer issue. This is a moral issue. This is an economic uh, economic uh, security issue, not only for the United States, but for other countries, particularly in Europe. I will um, uh, mention a uh, rather disturbing uh, statistics uh, reported by Center for Strategic uh, International Studies uh, last year, that during the period of April 2019 through April 2020, the export volume uh, from uh, the Uyghur region to Italy increased by nearly 200%. During the same period, the export volume from that part of the world to the United States has increased by 250%. So that shows the severity and the uh, seriousness of the issue. So American consumers, global consumers, policymakers, particularly the business community can no longer ignore this issue. At the end of the day, uh, the industrialists, uh, the business community, uh, corporations uh, will be responsible for either unwittingly, uh, unwittingly uh, uh, providing uh, the means and tools for the Chinese to intensify its religious persecution uh, uh, and now the genocidal policies uh, in the Uyghur region. You know, you talked, you touched on earlier about some of the things uh, that uh, the new Biden administration can do uh, to address the, the genocide determination. Um, I want to push a little bit here on some of the other tools that might be available in the arsenal, so to speak, to, to mitigate the China's actions toward Uyghurs and other religious minorities in the country. While we've, we've for example, while we've seen a welcome uh, increase of targeted sanctions on uh, Chinese officials responsible for these abuses over the past year or so, uh, and other punitive measures taken by the U.S. government. We haven't necessarily seen any tangible improvements uh, toward Uyghurs on the ground or other religious minorities. In fact, I mean, the whole point really of these kinds of targeted sanctions is to try to influence behavior by the government on the other side. I should also mention uh, that in the past year or so, we've, we've very much welcomed the passage of some legislation uh, that advances accountability for some of these violations, such as the Tibet Policy and Support Act, but specifically the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act and other bills pending include uh, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. What would you say now to some other options if, if it, it was possible here that you mentioned our partners in the international community, how should the US be moving forward from here in collaboration uh, with our partners uh, going forward to put pressure on China to, to get to a point where we have hope for some change on the ground? Uh, a few thoughts on that. Um, the decision has to be a diplomatic, a political, um, and uh, if you will, um, uh, legal. Uh, on the uh, diplomatic front, uh, United States government now um, has an opportunity, uh, especially the Biden administration has an opportunity to rally uh, support uh, from our traditional allies and partners. Uh, they are also facing the same problem. They're just lagging behind and they're not being uh, able to recognize as the way that the United States has. 
So um, our partners and allies, if I can be less diplomatic, has no excuse. They have no one to blame now. They have no one to uh, accuse of being uh, uh, using double standard. So uh, the ball is in our uh, allies and partners court to take a similar step. They have a similar tools available and they have also have a ways and means to uh, legislate and put in place mandate to address these issues as has been done in the United States. US government has uh, added over 50 uh, Chinese entities to Commerce Department's entity list. And as I mentioned earlier, there was at least two significant announcements was made on the global Magnitsky sanctions. Uh, some countries that we have a partnership and strategic uh, a relationship with have similar legal tools available so they can utilize that. And now that since the United States is not in the Human Rights Council, our partners and allies should convene, uh, especially after the determinations made by the US government now, they have more compelling reason to convene an emergency session at the UN. Uh, we only need 16 countries to, uh, to organize this kind of uh, urgent meeting. And then two, uh, uh, also uh, goes to the, uh, the issue of uh, diplomatic uh, concern, the international community should look at uh, the contract that they have with Communist China, uh, particularly for the 2022 Winter Olympics. In the face of the genocidal uh, activities taking place, and with the US government recognizing that there is a, a genocide and crime, crime against humanity uh, has been uh, committed in China, it will be strange, if not immoral, um, um, to have our athletes, our government officials, uh, including those from uh, uh, European countries to attend the, uh, the Winter Olympics. So um, they should try to renegotiate. They should boycott. So that's something uh, that can be done. Uh, we should not let the history to repeat itself. In 1936, the international community made a similar mistake. Uh, the history does not repeat itself. We allow it to repeat itself. So uh, we have to be able to take a bold stamp, uh, steps to address this. And economically, um, the uh, various capitals, um, um, uh, various uh, Western democracies, particularly the countries ha that have a uh, type of uh, relationship that the United States has with communist China, should look at their uh, import-export laws uh, to, uh, to add new provisions or new, uh, put new uh, mandates that will address forced labor. Even in the United States, the existing laws and measures, legal measures are not sufficient. That's why the US Congress is considering the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. And also uh, societally, um, I think the consumers both at home and abroad have responsibility. If you stop buying uh, tainted products made and uh, exported by China, then you can at least put pressure on the businesses. The businesses have a huge role to play. They no longer can uh, feign ignorance as the case of Volkswagen CEO, as the case of those companies lobbying against the Forced Labor uh, Prevention Act. So it is a matter of conscience. It is a matter of moral responsibility. Uh, it is a matter of uh, US national security interests to tackle this issue. At the end of the day, uh, this kind of uh, uh, crimes are not stopped. Uh, and those uh, uh, who are responsible for these crimes not to hold to account 
we will see it again. Uh, every time the international community failed to act, when a religious minority faced genocide, uh, the bad actor will get a uh, uh, wrong idea. And those acts are keep coming back. The international community failed to address the Yazidi genocide. The same thing has happened on Rohingya case and now we're dealing with Uyghur genocide. So the question is, when are you gonna act? When are you gonna be uh, lending your voice? When are you gonna be making a conscious uh, principle uh, uh, foreign policy decisions to not only address, but to prevent this kind of atrocities happening again, from happening again. A lot of food for thought there. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Commissioner Nuri Turkel for his insights today. We'll have to leave it right there. You can find more of Yusuf's work on China and our latest policy recommendations on our website at www.usurf.gov. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Yusurf Spotlight.